podcast the show about anything and everything this is lucas and let's see what topic we can get into today we talk about movies songs video games board games food books personality traits animals history anything and everything you can think of so sit back relax because we are just here to have a good time the mastery and uniqueness of sharing a story to tell the highs and the lows, the ups and downs, to draw someone in and keep them entranced in the story. It is truly a skill to be a storyteller. Today, we are talking about storytelling, and to join me in this conversation is a good friend of mine, and that is Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucas. I'm uh, excited to be on here with you. Well, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I uh, I was thinking about this earlier today, knowing that we were going to be having this conversation, just how funny it is how we met, you know, it's been um, five years ago, I think, um, doing a, a stage production together. It was my first show in 18 years, and you were a college kid, and it was actually through that process that I thought, man, I really love this age group, and, uh, and now here I am working uh, at the college. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite shows it was great it was a fantastic show um meet me in st louis um yeah and just and just one of the one of the parts that i loved about that show um is just the family dynamic that we had Mm. and by family dynamic i mean like the people who were casted as the family (laughs) right right (laughs) so um yeah i mean i was the dad you were the grandpa in the story and uh just yeah i mean even your daughter was in it and yep and it was just that, it was, that was her first show and and she just fell in love with theater after that and she's done a ton of stuff since then yeah the acting bug that's what they call it right yeah yeah I'm, I'm so glad that that show happened and i'm so glad that everything i met the people who i met because that's just it's a great it's a great yeah. great connection there so yep. um yeah, I mean, and that's 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 amazing that you found your kind of passion for, uh, you know, teaching and stuff like that, which we can get into, which is a great segue to how to start, well, how I want to start the conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about your history in uh, in theater or storytelling or you know whatever you want to talk about. All right, well, I've been a storyteller all my life. I just didn't realize it till the last few years, but. Um... I remember as a little kid, um, I was such a big fan of professional wrestling back in the eighties. And, uh, I used to, I had this tape recorder and I would hit record and then I would start calling play by play of Mm -hmm. these, um, wrestling matches that were in my head. You know, (laughs) I would create my own wrestlers, give them goofy names. And I would just, uh, call out these matches in my head that weren't really happening anywhere, you know, never would happen. But uh, that was kind of one of my earliest um, attempts at, at telling stories. Um, I also wow. used to write my own comic books in fifth grade, oh, um, wow. created my own, uh, my own superheroes. And uh, yeah, and then just as I grew up, um, just more and more of, of that kind of thing. Uh, got into college and uh, found the theater, which was 
a bunch of weirdos who <laughs> I fit in with great. And we started um, telling stories on the stage. And then through that, I started dabbling in video and uh, writing sketch comedy stuff. And um, we had our own website, chroniczing.com, for a lot of years where we would just post goofy uh, sketch comedy videos. And this was before the days of YouTube or anything. Wow. And then I went into uh, professional videography, um, owned a, a business called Digital Lunchbox, which is still operating today. Um, did that with my best friend and college roommate, and um, we uh, we had some great clients. And then I learned how to tell stories for my clients um, through commercials and sales videos and all those types of things. Um, meanwhile, still dabbling with stage productions, mainly through churches and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left Digital Lunchbox, went into full-time ministry, and learned how to tell stories through sermons and tell stories through um, devotionals that I would write and things like that. And then uh, ended up here at College of the Ozarks where I oversee a radio station and um, get to mentor some great students. And uh, now it's learning how to tell stories with no visuals and which is all, and just a new way of telling stories. So yeah. Um, just my whole life, I've had opportunities to tell stories and just, I, I used to think, what do I have to offer? Like the only thing I've got going for me is I just have this big imagination, but what's that ever going to do for me? And and now I've realized it's served me very, very well all throughout my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. The biggest question that I have right now is, are those comics still around from when you were five years old? <laughs> you know what? I think so. Yes. I think I think there's some in a box at my mom's house, um, but I need to start digging around and see if I can find them. Now, is it one of those things where you like look at them and you're all like, wow, my spelling was atrocious? Or are you all like, oh my gosh, I was a genius? Well, it's been a, a few decades since I've seen them. In my mind, they're outstanding. And so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's always that moment when you grow up and you look back at some papers, you know, some stories that you wrote in school as a kid, and you're thinking, wow, this is bad. <laughs> oh, I'm sure if I were to actually find that box of comics right now, I'd be like, yeah, this really doesn't need to see the light of day. <laughs> you're like... <laughs> I know, in I know my mind, me, they're, they're wonderful. So. Oh, of course, of course. But I know for me, I'm like, I'm like spelling words wrong and spelling words backwards and stuff. And I'm all yeah. like, wow, you were a special kid, Lucas, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you grew out of that. No, <laughs> no, I'm still weird. Um, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome that you were, I mean, that you were kind of like sharing stories your entire life. You didn't quite know it, but you still were. Which yeah. is, I mean, you still learn from that. You still learn things and grow. And then you, and then when you can start to be like, oh, yeah, I am. I have been doing that. Now, how have I been doing it? You know, learning the understanding of what's the best way to do it. Stuff like that. Well, and I remember when I first started preaching. And um, actually, I remember my very first sermon. I'm standing on stage and, I, and I'm saying something. Like stuff's coming out of my mouth. But my mind is looking at a few of these guys out there that I know really well, and I'm thinking, what in the world do I have to offer them? They're they're older, they're wiser, and here I'm supposed to be able to inspire them or teach them. Like, yeah. what do I have to offer? And so I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, a few days later, and I was just telling him about that self-doubt and everything that I was wrestling with. 
And he mm-hmm. told me, he said, um, well, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know what you're learning and share that. And mm-hmm. when he told me that, I was like, oh, well, that simplifies this whole process. And so I would just think about, okay, what, what am I learning? What are the things I'm studying? And I was learning a ton at the time because I was terrified of getting it wrong. So I studied my face off. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I realized that the best way for me to communicate is just let's tell stories. Like I'm not, I'm not a great lecturer, but I can tell a story. Yeah. Well, there is something to what you said, you know, why, when you're sharing, when you're sharing a story or when you're sharing information or when you're lecturing or whatever, you know, I wonder how many people actually think in their mind, who am I? you know, to, yeah. sh- to share this information, you know, who am I to, uh, you know, share the wisdom, the knowledge that I have. Um, I sure hope that everyone in that, in that, uh, light or in that venue has that moment. Yeah. Because I, f- I feel like that's a very important moment to have. Um, I don't know, maybe cause it keeps you humble. I don't, I don't know, but there, that, that is an interesting, uh, interesting thought. Uh, well, it keeps you humble and it also keeps you, um, realistic. And, and so where you're not out there peddling some garbage you wrote thinking that it's fantastic, you know, instead you're like, okay, it's still not quite there. You know, you, it's a little bit of, um, it, not self-doubt, self-doubt's not necessarily good, but just, just that ability to be honest with yourself and say, okay, it still needs some work. And uh, like, for instance, I, I uh, wrote a play, uh, I started it in the summer of 2021. And I just put the finishing touches on it about a week ago. Um, I went through five different drafts of it, just because I knew it, there's, it just still needed a little bit of work, it needed some tweaking, it needed some, uh, some uh, loose ends tied up. And now I like, being patient with it and just giving it room to breathe and sometimes just setting it down for a month and then coming back to it. Now I'm like, it's something I'm very proud of and uh, I'm excited to hopefully see produced at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's get into it uh, since you've already kind of hinted at uh, um, what you've been up to, but uh, I want to start by, um, you know, asking just, you know, just a very simple question. Um, everything's simple. Um, but, uh, but you know, what is the most, I guess, in your opinion, what is the most important part of starting a story? Oh, I think for me, it's like what I, I just, I need to know what am I wanting the audience to take away from this? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even have to know what the story itself is. I just need to know what, is this something that I want to inspire them? Is it something I want them? Is there a certain subject matter that I need them to think about? Um, and then I, and well, I, I can get to that later, but, but I feel like Jesus was a great example of this because people would ask him a question and say, Hey Jesus, what do you think about blah, 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 blah. And instead of answering it, he would just tell them a story mm-hmm. so that at the end of that story, they knew exactly what he thought. And and in a way, they knew probably what they should be thinking as well, you know. Um, and I think that just it, storytelling is just such a strong and impactful way to communicate. Um, yeah. So I think for me, 
it's not so much the story, it's not the characters, it's not, um, I don't even need to know the ending before I can start writing. I just kind of need to know, okay, what am I trying to achieve with this? Yeah, yeah, you have to know what is the meaning of your story? What's the meaning? What's the purpose of you sharing the story, I guess? And sometimes it's purely for entertainment. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, I just want to make somebody laugh, you know? Um, But then other times it, there's a little more meat and potatoes that you want to share. Yeah. But even in those situations, you know, those of the purpose of the show or whatever, just being entertainment, isn't there also some form some some other meaning out there that's more than just entertainment purposes but like i don't know like it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain no i I know what you're saying yeah yeah. i I think i think you can make that argument especially if you're talking long form like a a screenplay or a stage play or something like that i think um if you get away from like sketch comedy like sketch comedy sometimes is just for nonsense sake you know um but but yeah I, i i think you're probably right in that but i will say not and and i don't mean to sound like i'm contradicting myself but um there are times where i've sat down and i just started writing no idea where i was going no idea um what i was wanting to say i just started writing or um like with this play that i just finished it's called of prophets and fools and i actually sat down thinking i was writing a, a comedy um And then I got to the end of it and I realized, oh, shoot, I just wrote a tragedy. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But it's it's a tragedy that I love. And and it's got some lighthearted elements in it, you know, and it's it's actually uh, it's it's something that uh, it's got a lot of my personality in it. But the storyline itself ends up kind of a, a tragic tale. Yeah. Well, I guess you you mentioned it several, you know, already and, you know, you just kind of highlighted it again. Um, but, uh, when it comes to just, just story development, and this is something that I specifically want to ask and you already kind of answered it, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit, uh, kind of elaborate more on it, but, uh, with story development, you know, I feel like a lot of writers, including myself, we, we feel like, we feel like that's the type of thing we just have to sit down and write, which of course that's what you have to do. But then I think a lot of writers, they begin to say, well, I have to know the ending. I have to know the ending. Or else yeah. how am I going to get there? Um, and do and you already said that you don't have to know the ending to start, but uh, you know, do you have to have an understanding or a, a know when the ending of your story is going to be, or not when, but like what it's going to be? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Not to start. Um, I've I've written um, several things, whether it's a short story or a, a um, one act play or uh, even this most recent play that I've written, um, where I just I start writing, and after you kind of push through the first um, couple of chapters or so, it's it almost feels like the story is writing itself, mm-hmm. and like I just need to know what the next step is. Um, at some point, though, about two thirds of the way you should have an understanding of where you're going to end, but you don't have to know that upfront. Um, actually, I, I love it when I don't like, I love the, uh, just, it, there's, there's an adventure in writing. Um, mm-hmm. when you just start, it's like, okay, I'm taking off and I really don't know where I'm going to end up. Um, and that's kind of, there's something 
exciting in that feels a little adventurous and then all of a sudden it dawns on you and like i love the aha moment where all of a sudden like oh my gosh this is how the story is gonna end you know like and it's almost like i've gotten to enjoy the story you know uh, myself even though i'm the one writing it yeah even when it turns your comedy into a tragedy right right (laughs) um well and i i feel like all the so i guess there's no and you know you always think of movies like movie boards and stuff like that they know exactly what's going to happen at every single moment they know they they may not i mean they they may be open for suggestions and how things will end you know maybe like changes and stuff but usually when they sit down they go through the entire story start to finish this is what's going to happen yeah um and i guess that's one way of doing it but it's not it's not the correct way of doing it. So I, I go back to like the days when I when I owned my business and um, I was pitching um, scripts to clients and stuff. And sometimes scripts were just really basic, it just information yeah. that they need to get out to their um, their customers. But sometimes, uh, especially like some of our clients, like uh, the Springfield Symphony and stuff, they allowed us to get really creative with some of the stuff, and um, we got to kind of create these stories for them now if i'm doing that for a client or if i'm trying to sell something then i kind of need to know where it's going to go and where it's going to land before i can try to sell it you know so that's that's one thing like if you're going to go pitch uh pitch a script to potential producers or something Mm -hmm. and the script's not quite written yet you better know where it's going before you start pitching you walk into the producer meeting and you go i have this script there's no ending but there yep. will be. <laughs> I have no idea where it's going, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> that would be a, that would be definitely a pitch meeting for sure. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like wait, you don't have the ending? Not yet, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. You were on a roll. No, no, that's fine. Like, but had, had I done something like that to one of my clients, yeah. Hey, we've got this idea. We really don't know where it's going, but just trust <laughs> us on this. It's going to be great. You yeah. know, they would think I was crazy and I'd get kicked out of the room and they'd find <laughs> someone else. Uh, but, um, but if you, now, if you're just writing, like what I, I don't really write, I don't guess and these days, I don't really write anything with the idea of selling it. I'm just trying to tell stories. And then when I'm at the end, if it's good enough, I think, oh, maybe I'll get that published or something like that, you know? But, um, but because I'm writing primarily for myself, um, I don't have to know that stuff. I can just, I can just write. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the beauty of it. You can just write to write with no pressure of it. You know, it's always like those trilogies or not the trilogies, but like the, the novels where there's multiple books in the series and the publisher is always like, okay, make the, make the book, make the book. Come on, you know, writer's block. And you know, you see here movies of that or television shows and stuff, all the pressure that they have. It's like, you can just write to write. It's like no pressure. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm writing a screenplay. I'm about 70 pages in mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, I'm, as I've gotten into it, I've realized, okay, this, this is definitely a one-off story. Like there's no way to, to create a sequel or anything like that, which in a sense can be a relief because if it were to sell and if it were to, um, gain any kind of notoriety at all, and you've got some sort of uh, you got some uh, company breathing down your neck with a um, 
with a deadline to write the sequel, you know, like then you're under a lot of pressure and that's why a lot of sequels tank, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the paycheck would be nice. So, <laughs> so what's more so true, right? the paycheck or the art? I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the situation that you're in. I that's guess. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before we started recording that there are um, elements of sharing a story uh, that you um, would like to talk about. Um, let's kind of dive into that now. Um, share with us a little bit of what your uh, elements are of sharing a story. Oh, I think like whether you are communicating verbally, um, like whether you're just uh, telling stories to your kids or whether you're mm -hmm. preaching a sermon or whatever, uh, uh, lecturing a class and you're, and you're using story, whether you're doing that verbally, whether you're putting something on paper, whether in a novel or on a stage play or a screenplay, um, there's some things that just, they're just good across the board. For me, like, I felt like this um, with my, uh, with my sermons and I feel like this with the stuff I'm writing now, if I'm, if I don't completely buy into where I'm going, um, like if, or if I don't, if I don't feel like I'm on a good track, um, or I'm maybe not on the best track, then it's going to be hard for you, the audience to buy into what I'm trying to communicate. Um, mm -hmm. like I feel like to be a good storyteller, you've got to buy into what it is you're trying to communicate. Um, I, I couldn't tell a story that I would, that I don't like. I couldn't tell it. Well, you know, if somebody yeah. gave me a story and it's garbage and they're like, Hey, can you put this into a screenplay? Um, I could try, but if it's a stupid story that, that I just don't click with, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not going to captivate anybody. If it doesn't captivate me, it's not going to captivate the audience. Yeah. So I think I think that's an important thing is if your story doesn't captivate you, then find a different story. Um, yeah. Unless you're getting paid a lot of a lot of money and you and you need the paycheck, <laughs> <laughs> then just push your way through it and, and just write you, it. Yeah, pretend you like it. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big thing. I think when you're talking about stories that include characters, um, for me, I really need to be able to visualize my characters. Like mm. if, if they're just a name on a, on a page, it's really hard for me to give them an original or a unique um, identity or a unique sound in the way that they speak um, in the way that they, um, the types, the types of words that they choose to communicate with, you know, um, it's, it's hard for me to give them any kind of unique personality traits or anything. Um, if I can't visualize them, like I, I, and I say visualize, like I need I need to have a picture of what they physically look like, hmm. how they move. Like, um, so when I'm, when I'm writing my own stuff, like I can see that character in my head. Yeah. Um, now you don't go as far as like, you know, making someone draw them for you. Uh, no. However, I, so I used to write a lot of, um, like multi-part plays for like children's ministries and stuff mm -hmm. where it'd be like six parts. So, so it might be like a, vacation Bible school. And each day there's a different part of this play that's played out. And finally it's, uh, it, it comes to a conclusion on the very last day of the week or whatever. Um, when I would do stuff like that, it was more for my, uh, my actors 
um, than for my own purpose. But I would, I would find visuals online mm-hmm. of of a character that is similar to what I'm picturing in my head, um, and then I would, with their script, I would give them a picture of this is kind of the character I'm thinking of, and that helps them to visualize maybe where I'm going. Now, you can argue that that takes a lot of the creativity out of it for the actor um, if you're telling them what the character should look and act like but at the same time when you're working with children's ministry you're not really working with actors you're working with parents who are volunteering you know so anything you can give them to to help them out but um but yeah i i can i can see my characters as clear as day i can hear their voices in my head um which makes me sound a little bit like a crazy person no no um, but yeah uh i I just for me that's that's an important part of the process Um, yeah even even small, uh, smaller roles, you know, uh, a character who may not have more than a half a dozen lines uh, in a, a full length screenplay or stage production or something like yeah. I can still see them. And then when I come back to that, that to that script, three, four months later, I pick right back up where I left off. I can still see them. I can still hear them. Yeah, that's. That's just making me think of like animation. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is, and I, I, you know, it's interesting being able to see the character and and be the character. Not really be the character, but you know, be just like you mentioned, being able to see that character and understand what that character is going through, mm-hmm. um, is of course a a massive part of it. But that is interesting that. Uh, you know, I bet there are some people that do have to have that, you know, have a person draw the character um, and, you know, have them animated in some sense to just get an idea of yeah. what that what that character does. Yeah. And, and the other thing I, I would preface all this with is I'm just I'm just communicating what how I operate. But I, I'm certain as in any art form, oh, yeah. there's a million different ways to approach you know, storytelling. Um, but th- I'm just, this is just what works for me and, and the way that yeah. my mind works. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of other ways to do it. Have you ever thought of doing an animation? Uh, yeah, I, actually we, we, when I had digital lunchbox, we did a few animated projects. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, like in the downtown Branson area, there's this cartoon trolley that's on some different signs and billboards and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we, uh, we were hired, um, by the, downtown branson association to create this um this animated character uh for them that would promote their new trolley system that they put in place back several years ago okay yeah and uh so um i worked with our animator um that we had at the time a brilliant guy named jesse christopherson and um we kind of created a look for him and i kind of knew what in my head what he sounded like so I started getting on um, these websites looking for voiceover artists that sounded similar to what I was hearing in my head. And uh, we found this guy named Bruce Bailey Johnson, who actually used to voice back in the like 90s, voice these Lever 2000 commercials. And uh, he just had a great, rich voice for this little um, trolley character. <laughs> so I, I've done a little animation in in that world but i've I've never really written for animation as far as like um for like an animated film or anything like that yeah yeah 
Well, I guess we already on this are on this topic, and I do have that, uh, you know, question to ask. But uh, you know, we we kind of talked about it a little bit. But how do you build a character and character development? Like, how is that? I mean, because that's a major part of your story. It drives your story. It are your, it's your characters that drive your story. So, what is important to, to you about building a character, um, and then of course their development through the story? Well, I think, uh, like, I, I keep referencing uh, the play that I just finished up, mainly because it's, it's fresh in my mind again. Of course, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, the main character in that is a young man named Horace, who um, he's, he grew up with this severe stutter. This is takes place in the 1870s. Okay. He's got a really bad stutter, and therefore he's got a very op- overprotective mother who wants to... Um, kind of uh, protect him from any kind of embarrassment. So she does all of his talking and everything for him. And now he's a 22 year old man who's still treated like a nine year old child. Mm. Um, And so once, if if I can picture him and and what his demeanor is and how he speaks and how he like his posture, like a a guy like that is probably going to, um, look at the ground a lot, you know, just things like that. And I can picture all yeah. these things um, and I can hear how he speaks. Once I can kind of uh, get a grasp on how does someone in that, in, in that, in those circumstances, how does he um, operate? Then I see all of the rest of the characters because he's my protagonist. So mm-hmm. now I see all the rest of the characters through his lens. And, um, and so knowing my protagonist um, greatly um, influences the way that my other characters look because now I'm needing to create conflict mm-hmm. and sometimes I need to create romance and sometimes I need to create other, other things like that. And so how do I create that conflict? What, what is going to con- conflict with Horace and his personality? what is going to create that sense of romance with Horace. And so now that I know him inside and out, that kind of drives the the ship when it comes to uh, developing all the rest of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Now the biggest question that I have as right now in this moment mm-hmm. is how do you, what's your process of picking a character's name? Well, <laughs> That's always the hardest for me. I uh, I actually this sounds this might sound weird, but I actually have like different notebooks where I just mm. have names. Like uh, I'll just a name just pops in my head, or maybe I hear a name somewhere, or um, I might read something and I'm like, oh, that's a that's kind of a cool name. I'm gonna take note of that, and so um, I might put it in my phone, or I might jot it down in one of these notebooks, or yeah. um, but. It really depends. If if I'm doing a comedy, I'm gonna come up with. If I'm doing like a children's comedy, it's gonna. I'm gonna use a certain type of name that I might not use if I'm doing like a tragedy, of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, and then like uh, the the story of prophets and fools. It takes place in the 1870s, and so I did a ton of research on what what names were popular. Um, I started actually. I searched like the the 1840s and 50s. What were the most popular? Some of the most popular names because mm-hmm. my characters, for the most part, are in their 20s, um, 20s and older. So um, 
So I, I did a lot of that. Or I, I read articles, like newspaper articles from back then, because there are some significant historical um, things that happened that I worked into the play. Yeah. And and when reading those articles, different names and stuff will pop up, and you're like, oh man, that's that's just a great name for a character. Yeah. Um, well, I love that. I love what you're talking about right now. That aspect of it, yeah. actually doing research about yeah. certain time periods or what how things were written back then or how yeah. things were done back then um how how important do you think that is in writing a in writing anything um in writing anything i would say 90 percent of the stuff that i write i have to do some significant research i just feel like um, it makes it so much better like there's just more meat it, to it well it makes it it gives it some some reality and it gives mm-hmm. it i don't know it just it just feels right <laughs> i don't know how else to say it but like yeah. um so this story our, our main character horace um he uh he, he's in the first few pages he's in a terrible accident and he wait and he wakes up three days later at his own funeral um and he announces mm-hmm. to everybody in attendance that he has a message from god that the world is coming to an end and so um the rest of the story is him traveling and trying to communicate this message uh, before he knows it a specific date um september 22nd 1874 so it's he's got about four and a half years to travel and just share this message that god gave him that the world's coming to an end and, now is this uh, a true message or a fake message or are we gonna know so this part is just a story that i made up mm-hmm. um this was back when i still thought i was writing a comedy um, <laughs> it's deep it's deep already <laughs> when i started researching uh then this is the crazy part when i started researching the 1870s mm-hmm. and i knew i wanted him to have a few years of traveling around and, and and meeting with people and stuff and so i started searching or researching the early 19 1870s and so in 1873 there was um an event that's called the long depression um, which was pretty much what it was, was the uh, ramifications of the Civil War. So the Civil War has been over with for about uh, nine years nine or something. Years, yeah. mm-hmm. And now finally the expense of it is really hitting the country. And like there's this huge, just, it, it was actually called the Great Depression for a while until what we know now as the Great Depression, Depression. came along. And then they started referring it to it as the Long Depression of 1873 and so i thought i thought well that's great like i'll work that into the story and then as he's telling people about the end of time and they're dealing with all this suffering yeah they're gonna it's gonna be more believable to them to to hear his story because of what they're experiencing i read i researched a little further found out the very next year in 1874 there's what's called the uh the locust plague of 1874 where it's it's this bizarre thing that happens every like 100 200 years i don't remember now where these locusts just hatched like crazy and they completely destroyed the whole midwest um there were writings articles in newspapers where people would report that they as the locusts came through they would eat the wool right off the backs of the sheep um, they would eat the clothes uh, that was just hanging on clotheslines, so where there was nothing left in a matter of seconds. Um, there's so many locusts coming through; it sounded like a train coming through. 
they would eat the wooden handles off of their tools and, and like all this crazy stuff. And so I incorporate wow. that into my story as well. So now it really does feel like a biblical plague. Um, yeah. The end of times is really here. And so it just, and, and that wasn't stuff that I knew in advance when I started mm. my story, but it just worked so perfectly that I, I couldn't not incorporate that stuff. Yeah, I love that. That is fantastic. I mean, not that that actually happened because that's horrible, but <laughs> but I love that. Every time I've, I've tried to write something like that where I, I really kind of get into the research heavy stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I love it. I love that type of writing, um, and you don't have to do it, but if you, I mean, if you're writing a historical piece and you want to know, you know, what was their names back then? What did they say yeah. back then? You know, stuff like that. You really learn about history without even trying. Yeah. So if you're able to incorporate those things into your show or into your story and make them just kind of elevated even to an extent that you didn't know, it's yeah. just golden. I love it. Well, and there's sometimes where research will will save you from making a big mistake. Um, mm-hmm. There was a quote from T.S. Eliot that I had found a long time ago when I was first starting to work on this story that I, I really want to incorporate. I have a character who's kind of the traveling companion of Horace, mm-hmm. and he also serves as a as a narrator uh, to the audience. And there was this quote by T.S. Eliot that I just I really wanted him to just step out and and state towards the end when when we realized that the world really isn't coming to an end. Yeah. Um, Spoilers. And, no, just kidding. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but the quote is, uh, it, it's from a, uh, a long poem that he wrote, and I can't remember the name of it, but, but the quote I wanted to use was, this is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. And I thought, oh, that fits the story so well. And so I wrote mm-hmm. it in. And then like, I don't know, six months after writing it in, I was like, wait a second. Hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when was T.S. Eliot alive? Mm-hmm. So I looked it up and he wasn't born for twenty until 20 years after. And no! So gotta, gotta, gotta cut it. As much as I loved it and as much as it fit, I, I just, it wouldn't be right to leave it in. So I had to cut it. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, gosh, that's just, oh, that's just, that's just heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was hard for me to, like, I knew I needed to cut it. I knew I had to cut it. Yeah. But it took me a long time to actually cut it. Yeah, because you liked it so much. I just liked it. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Uh, Just. But my research saved my butt there because somebody would have called me out on it at some point. Yeah. They would have been like, you know that T.S. Eliot wasn't bored (laughs) until 20 years later. You'd have been all like crap (laughs) right right you're like oh i didn't know that um yeah well that's funny um that's awesome i love that i think i I think that research really does help with a story um and uh and i'm at yeah that's that's great i love that um i kind of we kind of got sidetracked a little bit from you sharing elements were there any other elements that you were wanting to share before we kind of like any other important ones before we kind of sidestepped into character development and such. Oh, I'm sure there are. Um, I'm just trying to think. Um, 
a, a really smart person would have like 20 more of them to list right now. Um, no, but no, I don't. No. So no, no, that's okay. Okay. I just, I just didn't want to, uh, interrupt if you were going to say something, uh, else, yeah, I, but, uh, no, I, I just, I, there are, yes, there are other things that I would like to share. I'm just, just I just, you just can't think are. of them at the moment. Well, if you do think of them, then just, 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 uh, just interrupt and, and say, Oh, this is a good one. But, okay. um, um, I guess, so we've talked about, you know, the, we talked about the, you know, what the, what is the most impor- important part of, um, you know, of starting a story, um, you know, what, what do you have to know, like the meaning, um, or the understanding or the knowing of the show? What do you want to portray? Or I guess the purpose, I guess, what's the purpose of the show? Um, we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, um, how to keep a story going with character development and character uh, progression. Uh, but I guess we haven't really mentioned it, but in your opinion, and I think this is the really big thing, because you can have, you can have the purpose, you can have the characters, you can have the whatever, you know, that we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes, but what is the best way to start? You know, how do you start a story? And, you know, it's, I think that's one of the big things that stops people from actually starting their story because they don't know how to start. So, you know, what, what, how, how does it done? How is it done? How can you do that? Uh, I've, I've started lots of different ways. Sometimes I've started with, because I had a title. You know, and that's all I have. <laughs> yeah. And I just sit down, I just start writing and see. Like, I, so I wrote a, a one act play this is many years ago. And I had this title that I really wasn't even crazy about. Um, but it, I couldn't shake it. And it's called Pete Grisby's Problem with Cheese. And Pete Grizzly's Problem with Cheese. Yeah. And so I sat <laughs> down and just started writing it one day. And then it turned out that. Um, it was actually a, a story about a, a teenage kid, a high school kid who's um, dying of leukemia. Um, Whoa. <laughs> you wouldn't guess that from the title, would you? Definitely not. Did you keep that title for it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and the, the title actually worked really well because what it was, was we, for most of the play, we're living inside Pete's imagination as he's, um, struggling to come to terms with what he's actually dealing with and so he distracts himself with all these characters that he's dreamed up and there's this superhero um that keeps showing up called captain courage and every time pete starts to talk about um every every time he starts to let the audience in on what's really going on captain courage jumps in with some uh story about cheese and so Captain Courage is just constantly distracting him from what's really happening in his life. And, and we interpret that as that's Pete trying to, he's, he's keeping himself distracted. So he doesn't really have to come to terms with what he's um, dealing with. And he does that through a superhero who continues to talk about cheese. So. <laughs> well, that is amazing. <laughs> Then, but so so I've, I've had a title and I just started writing. There's times yeah. where I've had a character um, that's just 
it's just a fun character. And I'm like, well, I really want to put him in a story. So I just start building a, a story around him. Um, yeah. There's been times where I just had um, an assignment, you know, it's like somebody says, hey, we need a script for blah, blah, blah. And so I just sit down and just start creating. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's, it's it's kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg. And some days yeah. it's the chicken and some days Sometimes it's the egg. Yeah. I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you because I yeah. just now thought of it. And I think it's a great question, a great topic of conversation, because uh, I know I struggle with it when I write. But how do you get out of that mindset or how do you walk around that mindset of, I guess, not being afraid, but worrying about it being original? You know, there's so much out there. There's so many stories out there. How do you how do you get around that? Oh, that's too similar. Mm. You know, there's there's one thing about actually you know plagiarizing, right. <laughs> yeah, copyrights. But thing. like, yeah. but you know, you're like, oh, I would love my character to do this, and then you're all like, oh, wait, am I getting that from you know Lord of the Rings when Frodo? You know, like, right. you know what? Right. I, and and how do you, how do you how do you get out of that mindset? Like, is that is that a mindset that you should get out of? Is it is it wrong to, you know, cause I feel like that stops me from writing. It's like, Oh, well, if I can't write anything, if I can't figure out anything original, then. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only so much that can be original. Um, mm -hmm. and I think so many of the stories that we see are stories that have already been told. You just have to find a unique way to tell the story again. Um, yeah. uh, I, I think it's a, it's a kind of like walking a tightrope. You you want to be aware, like you want to be self-aware so that you're not just plagiarizing or that you're not just, oh, what if I had this teenage kid and he gets bit by uh, a radioactive insect of some sort and now he gets has these superpowers, you know, like, yeah. like you want to be aware enough that you're not just recreating something that somebody else has done, you know, and you got to be honest with yourself. But at the same time, the tight the tightrope part is, at the same time, just let yourself write. Don't get in your head too much. Don't second guess it too much. Don't overthink it. Just if you, because it's easy to terrify yourself to the point where you never put a single thing down on paper, mm -hmm. um, and you don't want to do that. You know, say you write a whole script and you get to the end of it and you think, oh, this is really similar to such and such. Okay, well, now you know. Now start making those adjustments to change it a little bit, you know? Yeah. But if you don't ever put it on paper, you're yeah. never going to be able to make the adjustments, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, don't 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 overthink it. Don't scare yourself out of writing. Just, I mean, if, if you think you, you have a story to tell, just tell it, you know? And then on the back end, you know, get some people you trust to take a look at it. And if they all start saying, oh, you know what? This sounds really familiar then you're like okay well where where can i go to work on it to start to uh differentiate it to make it a little more mine yeah yeah i love that that's great um yeah so you have kind of been of course this entire episode you've been kind of using what you know what you've written as examples for things which is awesome um but uh is there anything that you want to share about what you've done um what you're currently working on or anything is there anything that you want to share more about that stuff 
Uh, sure. Yeah. I've, and before I get to that, um, I, I, I did think of this earlier. Something mm-hmm. I would highly recommend is don't throw any ideas out. Don't throw anything away. Um, even if you just have like a, a log line for something, just like I have a folder of stuff, just ideas and stuff that I wrote when I was in college 25 years ago. And in fact, this play um, uh, of Prophets and Fools, that started from a basic idea that I had in college about a guy who wakes up at his own funeral and thinks the world's coming to an end. Only the, the major difference there was it was a comedy and he was going to travel and his traveling companion was a three-legged cow. <laughs> and then when Interesting. I, well, I stumbled across that story about a year and a half ago and I was like, yeah. what was I thinking? And then um, I'm actually working on my, my MFA in, in script and screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And so it was through an assignment that I had to um, start thinking about, okay, what would make a good play? And that, that story came to mind and I just reworked it. So um, and had I not read it, had I not stumbled across that piece of paper six months before, something that I'd written 25 years ago, I would never would have written the play. So don't throw anything away. You know, be a pack rat with your ideas. Um, keep so, folders or keep uh, uh, notebooks. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm trying to remember what you just asked me before I... Um, what, what have you done? Oh, like, yeah. I, mean, you, I know you've kind of talked about what you've done, but is there any specific yeah. uh, so, stuff that you want to mention? Um, yeah, like I, like I just mentioned, I'm working on uh, my MFA in script and screenwriting through mm-hmm. Regent University, um, which I've thoroughly loved. It's, it's in some ways, I've always enjoyed writing and telling stories, but in some ways it's, um, it's accelerated that, it's enhanced that. You know, I've, I've had some great classes and great professors um, I'm getting ready to start a class uh, this coming Monday. It's it's a class all about writing comedy, and um, my professor used to write for Scooby Doo, and uh, used to write for Larry Boy and um, wow. Dennis the Menace uh, cartoons and and all kinds of stuff. Um, I had a professor uh, a couple semesters ago who wrote for um, some pretty big shows in the '80s, like Hill Street Blues and. Um, cheers and some different things like that um and so i get to learn from people who have actually had a lot of success in this world and that's that's exciting for me and and they're very accessible (laughs) so i'm I'm doing that at the same time like like i mentioned a little bit ago i have a uh, a screenplay that i'm about 70 pages in i I probably and it it is a comedy so far (laughs) it's a a comedy yeah (laughs) Well, there is a catch to that, though. It's a comedy about a guy who walks out on his wife and kids. Uh, but, oh, my gosh. Um, I yeah. love it. Oh, my gosh. Nothing funnier than that, right? I think that you need to, I think that you need to classify all your writings as tragedies, and then maybe they'll turn into comedies. Uh, <laughs> that is this, great. This I love actually, that. So far, it, it's, it's funny, and I'm really... Happy with where it's going, and it's it's got a it's got a good uh, a good ending. Um, I, at least I think it's going to have a good ending. But I've got about fifty <laughs> pages left to go on that one. Oh um, wow! And then let's see, I've got um, oh, I've got uh, I've got a sec another play that I'm about 
uh, I'm probably about 30 pages in on, and it's a murder mystery kind of like in the vein of a, like a clue or, or a 10 little Indians, uh, nice. something like that. Um, but it's, uh, it's just kind of a, a silly murder mystery. Um, I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of short film ideas that I'm just kind of, uh, sketching out the, uh, the ideas for right now. Oh, I've been reading and listening to podcasts quite a bit about 10 minute plays. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's a thing that's really caught on in the theater world in the last few years that I've yeah. just been completely unaware of. And so now I'm thinking, Oh, I want to do that too. So I may start <laughs> dabbling in those. So that's knows. awesome. But uh, my, my most recent play, I'm in the process of uh, uh, getting it copyrighted and um, hopefully getting it published before too long and, and maybe even getting a couple of productions of it done um, here in the not too distant future so that's awesome well keep me in mind <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no um that's that's awesome that's i mean it sounds like you've got so many ideas so many great ideas so many uh just amazing formats i mean different formats different stories different ways to share stories so that's a uh, that's and I, that's awesome i still get opportunities to uh to tell stories through sermons from time to time and I'm not I'm not pastoring full time anymore. I haven't been for a few years, but but I still get to uh, I still get to do that on occasion. That's okay. always fun and enjoyable. Um, and and uh, you know, teaching in the classroom, um, I've, I'm finding that I really really love that. Um, That's uh, awesome. So I'm I'm hoping to continue doing that and maybe even more of that. And I'd like to get into where I'm teaching some uh, storytelling type classes. That would be that would be awesome, yeah. That'd be so cool. Uh, well, the last question that I want to ask before we wrap up um, is: Do you do you? So we were talking about stories this whole time. Uh, do you have any like all time favorite stories? You know what? I've, I've I've got such a wide range of interests when it comes to stories, um, and and some of my favorite stories are really really dumb <laughs> uh and like oh, i just i love zoolander um really? okay. I know it's, it's ridiculous but man i love it i love the jerk with steve martin um oh, probably yeah, like one of my favorite comedies of all times is some like it hot um i just <laughs> man i can watch that every day but but then i also like like i'm a real storyteller and i i I have an appreciation for, you know, legit stuff as well. Not just complete nonsense. Uh, like Rear Window, one of my favorite movies ever. It just, it tells such a good movie, uh, such a good story through just little glances and stuff like that. Like it, it builds suspense without you really even seeing anything. Um, yeah. it, it just, it does such a nice job with that. Um, let's see, Truman Show. Um, I, I'm oh. not just a big fan of the movie. But man, that is some great storytelling. I know, right? Um, let's see. I, actually, I just last week I watched uh, Casablanca again with my this time with my daughter. She she was wanting to watch it, and if you know you asked me to watch Casablanca, I'm going to say yes. You're like, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me twice. <laughs> so, uh, and then like with plays, like I love anything by like Jim Leonard Jr. 
Mm -hmm. um, he did like the diviners and um and the dantrill slow and jackson um those are a couple of shows that um i got to be a part of uh years ago and just he just um he just has a masterful way of telling a heart tugging story um for the stage and it's just he just beautiful playwright um yeah and then of course like i'm a huge fan of star wars that was like that was like yeah. my first love as a child um and had my dad not bought me a little hand axe when i was like nine or ten years old i would probably still have all my action figures um <laughs> and i'd be a very wealthy man but nope they all are <laughs> Buried in the dirt somewhere with no heads and arms. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> um, but uh -huh. yeah, Indiana Jones, like, oh, I love that series, especially my favorite, which a lot of people, um, a lot of people with, with Indiana Jones, they love uh, Raiders of Lost Ark, which mm -hmm. I do. Um, but for me, I love the father and son story and yes. The Last yes. Crusade. Um, yes. Shameless plug, if you have not listened to the Indiana Jones episode, please do, because we have done an episode over Indiana Jones. So go back and check that out. All right, shameless plug over. <laughs> no, You'll hear all my thoughts on that episode. <laughs> but like, uh, like there's something, there's something um, very interesting to me, and I think not just to me, I think to a lot of people, father and son stories. There's yeah. something about father and son stories that just really speak to people. Yeah. Um, I think, when I feel like you don't really see that anymore nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't. You know, I was watching, uh, don't ask me why I was watching it, but I'll tell you, um, why it's because someone brought it up. They were talking to baseball at work and they were like, Oh, did you catch up that field of dreams game? And I'm all like, right. no, but I love that movie. I need yeah. to watch it. And I watched it the other day and I swear I was bawling my eyes. Yeah. I was like a father son movie. This is so, it's such a good movie. Yeah. Oh. I even but, like, even still like finding Nemo, like I just get yeah. choked up at that movie, you know? And yeah. I don't really get choked up at Darth and Luke, but at the same time, that element makes that story very, very compelling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Something about it. Yeah. Well, we could go on forever. I still have so many questions. We could talk about different types of stories. We could talk about publishing, how to publish yeah. your stories. I mean, we could, there's just so much more for a later conversation. But, uh, but any last thoughts about what we've kind of been talking about for the last almost hour? The only thing I would say is if, if your listeners are remotely interested in, in telling stories of their own, which I highly advise anybody to, you may, you may realize that you love it without even knowing it before you start. But what I would, what I would say is what I just said a little bit ago, don't throw anything away. Don't discard an idea thinking that it's too ridiculous or it's too overdone or whatever, because you never know 25 years down the road, you might stumble across it and think you know what let's lose a three-legged cow and it could be a pretty good story you know um <laughs> so yeah just anything you have i mean if it's coming out of your brain and you think that you're remotely creative then maybe there's value in it and just just jot it down who knows maybe you never use it but what if you know yeah. um so i would i would just advise you don't don't toss anything 
there really is something about a great story, great writing, great character development, making us relate with the characters and the story. Uh, we live every day hearing stories, whether it be in a movie, reading a book, talking in a conversation, or even when we are surfing online on TikToks or whatever. Uh, it's truly a special thing. So I uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Josh. I really appreciate it. It was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. I, I loved it. And uh, anytime, anytime you want me to ramble, I'm happy to. Well, I, I'll take you up on that. All right. <laughs> But uh, And thank you for listening, you listeners out there. If you haven't followed me on Facebook, go check me out uh, there. Also, go back and listen to an episode you haven't listened to yet. This is your reminder um, if, you, uh, need, if you've been wanting to listen to an episode but you haven't uh, had the chance to do it yet. Um, so thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. And remember... <laughs>